Hello and welcome back to another business growth strategies with myself, Odette Ria and Janine Dukabo. We started this conversation a couple of months ago when we were talking about the Business with Altitude Summit and we enjoyed talking so much that we decided to make it a regular thing. So what you can expect from these conversations is everything relating to business growth, personal growth, marketing, technology, lots of tech actually, customer experience and leadership. If you are joining us live, pop up, say hi. If you are watching the replay or you're listening on a podcast somewhere, leave us a comment and let us know where you are watching us from with hashtag replay next to your city. It is my absolute pleasure to have Janine Dukabu here again. Hey, Janine, how are you? Good, thanks, Odette. It's awesome to be back. And um, yeah, we're going to add some value today. I'm looking forward to that. That's fantastic. So tell me, what are we talking about today? Well, globalization is is really a big, big topic in businesses, and um, I believe it's made so easy for us at this point in time. You know, we had a little bit of help during COVID, and we were forced to to kind of like adapt to it, and and now we're there, and it's almost second nature. And if it's not for you, well, then that's exactly why you're listening to this podcast is to find out, well, how can it become second nature to me? Because it really is a massive, massive opportunity for businesses. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So before we dive into all of these opportunities, I think it's important that we clarify what globalization is. So for me, globalization is the increased interconnectedness and interdependence of countries, economies, cultures, societies worldwide. It's driven largely by the advancements in technology. Today is a case in point. I'm in Australia. You are in South Africa. And yet we're having a conversation like there's no no distance between us. Um, Transportation has also obviously improved our lives greatly with the advancement of aeroplanes. Thank you, Wright Brothers. Communication, I can WhatsApp you, I can send an SMS. I no longer have to phone you. Enabling businesses and individuals to connect and collaborate and exchange goods and services across borders. So in a nutshell, globalization means that where you are no longer matters. So, Yanin, what is is the the benefits of globalization? Well, let me, before I tell you what the benefit is, I wrote a blog um, about a year or so ago about how we can become mindlessly global and hopelessly local. And that is one of the pitfalls we actually need to avoid because if we don't expand to globalization as a local business, we're literally going to be hopeless. So we need to get out of that hopelessly local and into the global world, but not become mindlessly global. And that is a big thing of what we're saying today is you can you have the opportunity to expand your business, but you have to do it in a certain way so that when you are global, you're not this mindlessly, I'm a global company, I'm a global company. It's great to put on your status and on your description on your website that you're a global business, but what does it really mean? You know what I'm saying? So we need to, like you said, we need to define what is a globalization so we can avoid that pitfall. But the great thing about it is we can explore the emerging markets. We have greater business opportunities. We can do exactly what we're doing now. We trade in different currencies. I mean, for businesses, is it is just, you know, it is like, bam, we're there. And 
technology is exactly what you're saying. It makes it so much easier. We are setting up strategic partnerships. Our network is growing. Therefore, our net worth is growing. There are so much advantages to having a global business. And you don't even need a passport for it these days because here we're doing it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Technology has really enabled us to go anywhere in the world without actually having to leave your home. And I think that's the beauty of globalization. However, like you said, we do still need to be intentional about the way in which we become globalized environments. What do we mean by that? Well, if you are a business that sells tables and chairs for offices or small businesses, you have to consider how you are going to get those items to me in Australia, if you are based in South Africa. So there are some things we need to consider when we go, I will be a global business. Sometimes it makes sense to ship directly to customers in other instances, like we said, it might be necessary for you to collaborate and partner with someone else somewhere across the world where you create a, um, where you create the system behind your process, which is really, really important for any business really. If you're a service-based business, however, it becomes so much easier because, for example, Janine is in the marketing, digital marketing, marketing management, PR, and there is a a part of her business that, that sells things, physical things, which she can also sell internationally. But it's a lot easier, I think, for, um, uh, for service-based businesses to transition to global um, presence than it is for Definitely. a physical business. What is your advice for businesses that are product-based? Um, I was going to say one of the advantages is that we can put branches in other countries. But I'm oh. saying that very carefully because, again, for a service-based business, you don't need that. But for a product-based business, that could be a possibility now that you didn't previously have. So... Yes. You have to understand the markets. You have to, you know, if you've built a proper base in your local where you are trading locally, right? You're going to take that same plan and you're going to just take it and you're going to implement it globally because you had to understand the global market. You had to know who's your competitors. You went through all of those things, the smart plans, the pests. You went through all of that stuff, right? You're going to do exactly the same thing with a product-based business. Do I need a branch? Don't I need a branch? Do I set up a strategic partnership? What am I going to do? Is it just a network that I need? Maybe it's just a reseller on the other side because the product is available worldwide. How are you going to set that up? So that's the first place I will go is I will ask myself, do I need a branch? Do I need a network? Or do I need a strategic partnership? What is the what, what is those things? And make sure you understand the language of the countries you are shipping to, doing business in. And I'm not even talking just natural language. I'm talking business language. Because business language changes when you go global. Absolutely. You don't talk the same stuff that you talk anymore with your local partners. Your, your business language, all of those things change. So you need to understand and make sure that you understand what is the global language Um, Who are you going to deal with? Again, who's your ideal client? Who's your competitors? You have to redo that entire process, but on a much larger scale. Yes. It really boils down to creating a persona, a customer persona in the country that you intend to go into. 
Because if you don't create the persona, you run the risk of thinking what works here will work there. And it's simply not the case. I can tell you from firsthand experience, having lived in South Africa and in Australia, what you think works in South Africa is going to work anywhere in the world won't. Because the culture is different. Because yes, in Australia, we speak English, obviously. But we have a different way of saying things. And there's a different way of approaching people. There's a different way of selling things. Um, South Africans are generally, for example, more candid and more direct. And Australians are, Australians are less direct. So if you went up to a South African and say, hey, there's this thing. It's pretty cool. Do you want to buy it? They'd likely say yes or no. And it, it wouldn't be frowned upon. If you did that in Australia, people would look at you and go, but who are you? Where are you from? I don't know you. I can't buy anything from you. You're not part of my network. So it's important to understand the nuances that sits around that um, culture. So cultural sensitivity is important and can be a challenge if you have not done your homework. So Yanin, the question then becomes, how do you know what the cultural sensitivity is or what the legal requirements are in that area. So it's all good to say you have to go do the pests and you have to go create the, the customer profile and you have to understand the market. But practically, what does that mean for businesses that want to go global today? How do they go about doing it? Well, first of all, I would say is we need to respect the diverse perspectives, right? And just think about Think about immigration for a second. When you decide that you want to immigrate, and you'll know a lot about that, you don't simply back up your stuff and the next day you're there or next week you're there. It's an entire process that you go through. First of all, it is emotional, emotionally taxing. It is financially taxing. It is, you know, it, it affects every part of your life. It's exactly the same as globalization. It affects every part of your business. It doesn't happen over time. You have to allow yourself time to adapt and research, research, research. You know, my mom lives in Dubai. And when I when we visited a couple of years ago, I asked her the question. I said, what would you have done differently if you had to immigrate again? And her answer to me was a very bold nothing. And I thought to myself, wow, you know, how's that for, for being teachable, <laughs> you know? And, um, and she said to me, no, I'm very serious. And she said, like, they went before the time and they, they went to go and see the pricing of linen as an example, curtains as an example, garden furniture as an example, groceries. Mm. And I thought, okay, you were very thorough. And that is exactly the same with globalization, because when I breached that gap and when I went over, I was like, okay, what is the, what is coaching cost? What is this cost? What is that? What are people paying in that, in that country? How do they perceive that? How do they communicate exactly like you're saying? You know, I work with a lot of Americans and they don't use WhatsApp. Very, no. very few of them uses WhatsApp. But I would have not known that if I didn't do my research. Yes. In Dubai, as an example, you can't use WhatsApp as well because it's not allowed. So you can't do it. You can use, you can text, but you can't do a WhatsApp call. You can't do a WhatsApp video call. That is pretty important for somebody who needs to communicate with a customer in that country. So yes. you have to do thorough research. Where can you buy? Who can you buy from? How can you communicate? How can you not communicate? You mentioned yes. legal. That's one of the biggest, biggest things 
because every country has got its own set of legal rules, how you need to register your business within that company, um, yearly fees. Some countries have yearly fees for their businesses. South Africa, we don't have that. We're very blessed. But other countries have a yearly fee. You're only allowed to operate in certain, certain regions. So mm. that's also things to, to take into consideration. My advice would be, is not to try and go global. I'm global, all the countries, here we go. Mm. My my advice would be is take one country at a time. And so we are now operating in Dubai as an example. We are now operating in Australia. We are now, op and build your global presence like that. That would be really my advice. I think that's, that's brilliant advice. And I think maybe to add to that is when you are thinking about where you want to set up, think about what works within your current parameters. Uh, you're correct. When when we immigrated, it wasn't it wasn't you wake up today, tomorrow you decide to immigrate, and the day after you're in a new country. It's actually a process that takes three to four years. So <laughs> that's there's enough time that goes from the day you decide to immigrate to the day that you actually do it. Where if you if you utilize your time properly, you understand what's happening in the market. We were watching the news. We were looking at what are the shops, where would you buy groceries? What do you buy? How do people spend their money? What's a good income? What's what's average spending? So all of those things are important. But when you decide to set up a business somewhere else or to start servicing a market somewhere else, my advice would be to think about what works within your current um, parameters in the context of time zones, for example. Yeah, For Australians important. to do business in the US is actually pretty difficult because when it's morning for us, it's night for them. So there are very few opportunities where an Australian-based business that is service-based can operate in the same working hours than a business in the US. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't or you shouldn't. It does mean that you have to consider if that's something that you want to do. If you are quite happy to do a call at 10 o'clock at night, then that's fine. But if that's not something you want to do, then you need to consider where exactly which parts of the country you want to sell into. For example, there are places in the US that are on a similar time zone to us. So we can operate in a smaller, not a full day, but there is a smaller time frame that we can operate in. Whereas in South Africa, it's fairly easy. It's early morning. As long as people are happy to do early mornings or um, late night, it's not such a big deal. So it comes down to understanding what your business goals are. And if you've been part of this conversation at all, you should know that you need to have a BHAG. You need to have a, a purpose. And given your BHAG, given your purpose, you will determine what other things you'll be doing. So it really comes back to what is that strategy for your business for the next 10 years? And if it includes globalization, which areas are you going to go into? And is it globalization of every product or service? Or are there some products or services that are better suited that will only be sold, especially in the beginning, because you don't open up your entire business on the word go? I think if you've never sold externally, if you've never sold internationally to say, oh, this entire business is now open to be sold internationally, it's probably a big mistake because you are going to find pitfall after pitfall after pitfall because not everything works. And the problem with that is that you're tarnishing your reputation with your customers. And that's not really something that's easy to recover from once you've stuffed it up.
That's right. And and I think that's the reason why joint ventures, strategic partnerships, and also being part of a business network is a really great start. I, I think the, the one that came to mind now is BNI, which is worldwide. Start there. Get to know different people in different countries and build that strategic partnership so that exactly it's it's part of protecting your brand at the end of the day. It is. And also the strategic partnerships give you shortcuts. So mm. They, they let you know what works and what doesn't, but they also immediately, if you've built trust, they give you access to their network, to their space. Yeah. And when it comes to strategic partnerships, it's important that we build partnerships with people who complement what we do. Don't go and create a strategic partner with your rival or with your direct competitor. They will never give you business. Come on, let's just be serious. Instead, they've got, oh, well, in that country, if you can do it, then obviously so can I. So that's that's not smart business. You always yeah. have competitors and we have to play nice, but find people who match your values because it's an extension mm. of your brand, essentially, but also people who complement your services so that you can grow collectively. I always talk about creating ecosystems of growth. So making sure that there's an opportunity for them to grow and for you to grow, because when we do it together, we get there faster. Yeah. And share value, check shared goals, like you were saying now, that's going to, that's going to help you to get there. Long-term relationships internationally is really, really an important thing to, to look at. And yeah, communication, open lines of communication. And like you just said in the point earlier is if your time zones are so different, it's very difficult to have open lines of communication. So really something to keep in mind. Yeah. And also you can't just sit and forget. So this is not something you can, you can't just create a business overseas and go, oh, it's, it's yeah. fine. You need to build a space for it to be managed, for it to be monitored. The same monitoring you would do in South Africa is, or in Australia is the monitoring that you would need to do in that business. So all the systems that you have where you are based will have to be yeah. duplicated in the new space so that you can monitor it and see what works. Again, what works here doesn't necessarily work there. So you have to set different targets. You have to have different processes in place to manage and monitor that. And if you've got a team that's running it somewhere else, you obviously need to make sure that you can manage that team, which brings up the question of how do you then manage a globalized team? For me, remotely, and obviously there's no other way to do it, but or there is other way to do it is to be physically there. But we can save so much time and so much money by setting up a team that that can work remotely. And um, it's 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 proven to be really successful if mm -hmm. you choose the right type of people that are disciplined. And that's a big thing. Not everybody is cut out for remote work. So be sure when you and I mean, Christo spoke a lot about that is choosing the right people for your team. So mm -hmm. you need to make sure that you choose the right people for your team that is strategically lined up to work remotely and still produce really good results even in a different time zone, if that is the case. But we've got beautiful management systems and we need to mitigate the risk by setting up these management systems in order for our remote team to work as close as what we would work and what we do work with our team that's right with us in the office. Absolutely. So we choose the culture that we drive. We choose the the way that we manage our team. You could You could be a micromanager from 20 million miles away 
which is probably not the best thing because then you obviously don't don't trust your team or you could be the person that sets clear goals and clear directives where your team can follow your lead because it is about being mm -hmm. a leader and not a manager. So Janine, what is your favorite management tool that you would suggest to businesses who want to create a team abroad? Creativity. That is my management tool. I want my team to be able to have the room, the space, the freedom, but I also give them the trust to be creative. Because, mm -hmm. And I'm not talking graphic design creative here. I'm talking creative in your mind. One of my staff said the other day that thinking out of the box, like, what is that? What is a box even? You know, where do we draw that line? And I was like, yes, you know, yeah. that is what we want. We want creative problem-solving people. And if I can, you said, we drive the culture. If we can drive the culture as a manager that we want creative problem-solving people that works with us, alongside us, and for us, then it's easy also to manage those people because they're always solving problems and they're always going beyond what the normal person behind that computer is going to go. So that is my favorite management. I love that. I would say tip way to to manage it way to run it and to build culture within your team give them that trust absolutely trust is probably one of the biggest most important things you can have in your business if you don't have trust just close the doors because it's not worth yeah. it it's really just and not i think room to grow as well mm. it needs to come to that to that place where they love themselves to gain knowledge Mm. It's not just we have to in the industry that we are, we have to learn the entire entire time. Yeah. But I don't want to be that manager that says, guys, there's another course, go and do it. There's a, this, go and do it. There's this, go and do it. I want them to understand that, you know, in order for me to perform properly in what I do, I need to make that part of the culture. I need to make that part of how I manage myself. Mm. How do I want to manage people? I only want to manage people that can manage themselves. Because if people can't manage themselves, then how on earth am I going to manage them? And that comes down again to making sure that you've got the right people, which means you can't rush it. You can't just say, I need someone, I need a bum in a seat, so we need to hire mm -hmm. a person X. You have to know the characteristics and the traits of the people that you want in your team and then search them out. And I, I promise you, you're not going to get them around every corner. Those mm -hmm. kind of people are rare and they're hard to find. But mm -hmm. when you find them and you nurture that relationship with them, they will be loyal and they will help you push that boulder up the hill to, to achieve your goals 30% faster than any other business because they've, they've found somewhere where they belong, where they feel valued and where they feel like they can contribute positively to something bigger than themselves. And that's what we want. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and you will find that people who work remotely they do have a different way of thinking. Um, there's nothing wrong with not working remotely because you need people in the office with most businesses. Um, but you will see the mindset is completely different. And you need to make sure that you pick the right person for the right job. If you, if you, we spoke about branches earlier on. If you need branches, well, then you're going to need the in-office kind of people if that is how you want to do it, especially with products, with packaging and then sending off. But if you can do a remote team, it's going to be a very different characteristics, personalities, management. It's most likely even entrepreneurs or at least with an entrepreneurial mindset. mindset. 
Absolutely. So, Yanin, as a wrap up, what is your your biggest insight or your biggest um, feedback to businesses who want to be global today and haven't started yet? Give yourself time to adapt. Give yourself time to adapt. Um, yes, you have to do the research. We understand that we're building a house here and mm. we understand that our foundation needs to be really strong. And with that, we also understand you can't rush those things that are really, really important. So be be sure that when you build that foundation in another country, that that is strong and that the walls that goes up, the roof that goes up, all those things are strong. That is your systems. That is your people. That is your culture. That is your 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 partnerships, your relationships. Make sure the things that you put in there is 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 solid but understand that it's going to take time so allow yourself the time to adapt mm -hmm. and and to build a strong the strong network for yourself overseas absolutely and i also think we need to create some space for ourselves to learn because not everything you do is going to work and not everything you do is going to be right and that's okay as long as you stay agile enough to say okay that didn't work but how do we do yeah. this better how do we improve marginally so that we can become the favorite because ultimately what you want is to be the favorite. We recommend our favorite, not the best. So yeah. on that note, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Janine, for joining me for yet another Growing Your Business and Business Growth Strategies. If you enjoyed this, which I'm sure you did, click the like button. Remember to share and subscribe to stay updated. Until next time, have a fantastic day.